welcome back to the Rogue Retro Smackdown Review here on Rogue Opinions. We're here for the February 10th, 2000 episode of Smackdown. Continuation of the storyline with the involvement of the Radicals taking a big turn from last week's episode when I had Damien on. And this week, my guest for the next couple of episodes is going to be one third that makes up the Undisputed Wrestling Podcast. You may have heard of this on the A-Team talking about the Undisputed Podcast and maybe not so favourable terms and lead up to our uh, Survivor Series show. <laughs> we, we're putting the past behind us and I've invited one third of that podcast on in good faith. You know, I, I chose this one specifically because, well, one of the members of Undisputed Podcast can't be impartial when The Rock is involved and we're going to be talking about him a lot and the other one uh, wasn't alive when this episode aired. So by process of elimination, I brought in the Undisputed Rev, James Wolford. How are you, James? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you, mate. Thank you very much for having us on. Yeah, we we we, we shot some shots, you know. We we laid down some smack, you know, all that kind of jazz. But it was all good fun. It was all good fun. Uh, yeah, no, um, I was alive um, and had been for a few years by the time this came out. I remember watching it at the time, and actually, this going back to 2000 reminded me of the things that I really didn't like. <laughs> about this time um i mean there was some stuff that was great and obviously we'll touch on that but there was some stuff that i just yeah i just hated so much and not in a not in a yeah boo kind of way just in a uh um but it was fun to go back and watch and, i mean the shows are never dull are they let's be honest i mean it's an adhd guy's dream wouldn't it yeah <laughs> yeah because you did message me in preparation when you were watching the episodes that like you were just a little bit into the first one and how much was going on, and that does be, tend to be a common thing when I bring people up, just how much happens. Yeah, it's nuts, because like, obviously on the network you've got the thumbnail, so you, you think you, you're watching it for a bit, and you're like, oh, okay, I wonder how long we've got left, and then you look to the thumbnails, and it's like, there's about 12 thumbnails left, and you're halfway through the show, and you're like, well, what? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it is mad. Um, and I suppose it, it stops you from being dull, um, but yeah, it it, it um, was one of the good things about that time, really, was that it helped to get a lot of people over. You know, that, that's one of the reasons why whenever some of these guys come back, there's still a lot of nostalgia for them because they were so many guys on the show. You could argue that not a lot of them had a lot of time on to get exposure to properly over, but like you look at the card and there's so many great, T- t- uh, names on there that have gone on to sort of be legends, you know, and and you know you've also got people like you know Val Venus, um, <laughs> but you know you've got other people as well that are not hideous cunts. I mean, um, uh, people. Yeah. I should have checked what 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 is the rating on this podcast? Uh, we usually I usually do a thumbs up, middle, or down. Oh, no, no, I, I mean I mean like the parent guidance rating rating. G O E. Oh, here we can. Oh, you can say what you want on here. We've said some oh, things in the past. That's all right. Cool. That's all right. <laughs> just, I just wanted to make sure because I just call Valvinus a cunt, which is fair. But equally, you know, you might have had to bleep it out if it, if it was, uh, you know, the wrong kind of podcast. <laughs> uh, they're not really presenting a family product, so I don't see why we should either. <laughs> but I talk about the thumbnails. It is amazing how, in some cases, how little time actually passes when you go through some of the thumbnails or some of the random backstage segments or the like some of the very short matches unless it's a a triple hdx promo segment in which case you can skip a whole 20 odd minutes going to the oh, next thumbnail so 
all that. And uh-huh. we'll talk about that more in the second episode because that's really when uh, well, the second episode we were reviewing because that's when it really started with a yeah promo. I mean, I mean, I've been watch. I have to watch the Raws as well. Uh, well. I don't have to. I somehow volunteered accidentally, and then I've got into the habit of doing it. But yeah, watching the Raws they're really bad for it as well. So yeah, some weeks I get two fifteen to twenty minute Triple H promos in a week. Aren't I lucky? I mean, you could, you know, it's almost like he's shagging the boss's daughter or something like that. I don't get it at all. I know, it's unbelievable. But before we <laughs> properly dive in, uh, you kind of referenced that at the start. I do like asking people this about where they kind of are in reference to like this time period, whether they're just watching it back for the first time if they've not seen it in ages now. I do I remember, I think, Gallon has uh, complained about it on your podcast, that, but you kind of picking when it comes to uh, paperwork like throwbacks about you picking like mid nineties uh, pay per view. So when it comes to like two thousand, where relatively would you consider yourself when your your wrestling fan was be around about the peak of it? Were you maybe getting a bit older um, into it? No, I was definitely into it. Um I started watching regularly sort of late mid to late ninety seven, I think it was. Um I distinctly remember the Ahmed Johnson Nation of Domination storyline. Um, I'd, I'd seen bits and pieces of wrestling, but that's when I sort of started watching it more more regularly. Um, and so I was watching this then. We had we had Sky, so I would tape it and, and watch it in the morning and stuff. Um, and uh, I mean, the, the thing is, like, obviously, we do the the, the wrestling quizzes on on the pod on the undisputed wrestling podcast. And uh, the problem I have is that my memory shit um, because I didn't have like now we've got. Excuse me. We've got podcasts and we've got like Facebook communities and we've got Twitter for best or worst. We've got a platform for being able to talk about wrestling. Um, I didn't have any friends that were into wrestling. My family did not like it. They didn't understand it. They didn't care. Um, so for me, when I watched the show, it was like, ah, oh, that was good. And then I never thought about it again. <laughs> because like, why would I? There wasn't anyone to discuss it with. Um, so it wasn't until sort of more, uh, oh, sort of 2002, 2003, 4-ish, um, that I started to get some friends that were into wrestling. Um, our most recent quiz that we just did uh, last week was me against a, a friend of mine from, from university and college days uh, from Northern Ireland. Um, and we used to chat wrestling a lot, but that's back. That's going back to 2003. So, um, so yeah, I, I was definitely watching, and as I said, mentioned earlier, like, I really hated this uh, period of um, DX, uh, McMahon-Helmsley regime era. I hated it so much, and not not in a, yeah, boo, they're the bad guys, more in a, ugh, it's them again. Ugh, God. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thanks for making me watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were some great moments. There was some good stuff, though, so. It's luck of the draw, really, when I invite people on what what's good and what's bad, you know, on this oh. show. And I, that's the nature of wrestling. There's always good, bad, good and bad and the ugly. Yeah, I wash my hands of all responsibility for what you may or may not have liked on this <laughs> show. Your honour. <laughs> but we'll we'll dive into the show, and obviously this episode starts with a recap of what happened on Raw. So, in my duty, I will recap what the main storyline of what happened on Raw that will lead us into this show. And we uh, the writer... a recap. We need a recap. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so we we had the radicals coming out. 
uh, to basically almost say goodbye because on last week's episode they all had matches to uh, try and get a contract and they all lost their matches and also Eddie Guerrero's now in a flame because he had a nasty spot where he landed wrongly when doing a frog splash on uh, Billy Gunn and kind of dislocated his elbow but really bad uh, so they all come out and they say goodbye they seem very humble and then they bring out uh, Gactus Jack and thank him for bringing them in and then he's cut off as soon as he gets out before he can say anything by Triple H and Stephanie basically calling the Radicals failures and taking shots of them and seeing how Mick Foley oh, you've already lost your opportunity at the Royal Rumble and then this, this is where they set up the match for No Way Out Triple H says you can have another shot but you can do any stipulation as long as there's no barbed wire or thumbtacks or anything like that that we had at the Rumble so Mick Foley says well there's only one other option Hell in a Cell when the crowd also pop because Hell in a Cell is still a fresh concept at this point. I think the last thing I think, well, last time Mick Foley was in a Hell in a Cell, he went flying off the top. What are you going to do this time? <laughs> I've, I've always made, I've made the case before, um, but I think that Mick Foley simultaneously made and destroyed the Hell in a Cell concept. Absolutely, I'd agree with that. You know, like the 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 King of the Ring match was so epic. That like it was like oh wow this is this is hell in a cell this is amazing and I mean was it the first match is incredible as well but mm-hmm. after that like they were always trying to look to top it but they can never top it no one is ever going to be allowed to do anything even remotely and nor should they even remotely like what he did so like whenever somebody goes up to the top now it's like oh okay they're at the top there's no sense of oh they might fall because the, the most likely is that they're going to do the hanging from the cage spot where they fall down afterwards. Um, and yeah. that's it. And and that's fine, but it's not. It's never going to match the expectations. They always use it in the, the promo packages, you know, falling off the cell and going through the cell, and then there's him there with a tooth through his nose and all that sort of stuff. And it's never going to be that again. So he, he's just got this weird sort of... And I, I think it has rebuilt itself eventually. Like There's, some, there's been some great Helena Cell matches, but... I just think for a year, or well, not for a year, but for a while, there was just always this expectation of what it's going to be, and it can never be that again. Mm-hmm. And Mick Foley, I'll see, it happens in the same episode, so I'll see which one we get to our, our next episode, but in the second episode that we're going to be talking about, uh, Mick Foley says something in, that, like, in a promo that I think doomed their Hell in a Cell match before it even happened. I'll, I'll get to that when we get to the next week's episode, but we... Uh, so, like, the Triple H parts of this, this went, like, 18 minutes in total, this whole segment, I believe, on the network. And so, like, the Triple H bits are really as long and drawn out when he could easily just sum up in a few seconds. But the Mick Foley parts of this, well, I didn't mind so much because he goes on and is talking about, this is when they first bring up he, the idea of, like, Mick Foley's dream of headlining WrestleMania. It's the one thing he hasn't done and he hasn't done yet in his career. And so they set up the stipulation if Mick Foley loses, he is gone, and then they specify that means all of your personas, not no more Cactus Jack, no more Dude Love, no more Mick Foley, no more Mankind, just you totally gone from WWF. And and then Mick Foley says, well, fine, if I win, I face the winner of Rock and Big Show at WrestleMania, and you just sit at home, you don't try and put any roadblocks on my way to prevent me from getting to WrestleMania. I win, I go to WrestleMania. And then they tease at Old Triple H go, well, why don't we need, we don't need to wait till the pay-per-view, we can go right now. And he comes down, you've got X-Pac around ringside, and the Radicals are there, look like they're going to back uh, Mick Foley up. And Triple H says, 
why don't you guys show your appreciation to the guy who gave you an opportunity, appreciation to the guy who gave you your contracts, and the radicals all jump uh, Mick Foley and reveal that they've turned to you. Well, you've got Eddie Guerrero still trying to get a couple of boots in while, while he's still got his arm in a sling. And then they set up for later on. Mick Foley has to find four partners to take on. Benoit, Saturn, Malenko, Triple H and X-Pac. And they all do go, oh, he's not got any friends. He's not going to find anybody. Uh, the radicals basically talk about how they need they to go where the money is and who has the most influence. Uh, the Rock, midway through the show, gives an interview with Kevin Kelly. He talks a lot about Poontang Pie. If it's a, he rings it a new Poontang Pie shirt and puts over Kevin Kelly's face while he's talking. And... Uh, at one point, Kim Kelly just kind of points to his watch that the rock's going over a bit, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, it's Poontang Pie boring you, Kevin. And then he volunteers, I'll be your tag team partner. Uh, so it's going to be five or two simulate, and then just the matches about to start, two cool and Rikishi come out, and we have a 10-man tag. It's considered one of the best Raw main events uh, of all time. I don't think it gets talked about enough, probably because Ben was involved in it. But like watch it, but I'd recommend anybody who's not seen this world go back and just watch this main event, like because I've never seen a crowd so hot throughout this an, an entire match like they are here. Even Grandmaster Sexy seems like an over fucking baby face as he's getting worked over in the corner, and the crowd are waiting for him to tag out. Uh, but I think one of the reasons that this isn't fully remembered is it kind of has a weird finish with the Radicals and the DX winning. But after the match, Kane makes his return after two weeks away. So alongside Paul Bear, has not been seen in, like, since late 99, and he basically comes out to destroy people. He comes out in his cool like, reverse uh, suit that he'd wear, and basically he's come back because he's not been seen since Xbox stole his woman. Yeah, that's that's what, what's one of the highlights for me watching these shows is getting to see a bit of Paul Bearer. I love a bit of Paul Bearer. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you watch his uh, Mortuary Dog? I did, I did. It was fantastic. It really was. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many great documentaries on the Netflix, um, the Netflix, on the network that I've not actually got around to watching that I need to watch. Um, but they're always great. Mm. And also, you'll know that Kane's my, my favorite wrestler because uh, you guys preferred a Kane question when I appeared on one of your wrestling quizzes, and then uh, Arsenal didn't ask me it. Uh, so you'll know that a moment like this is I want to pause for because I think across these next couple of episodes. Kane's finally back to kind of being a monster because at the end of 1999-2000 he's starting to seem more vulnerable, more human because he was with Tori and now that she's left him he's now back to being like the monster Kane. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, I fucking hate X-Pac but we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> if I hate X-Pac, probably for not for the same reasons as most other people but, but I, I, it was it feels too real to me, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird about uh, the smadding because we get that recap we get the uh, weird int- nonsensical intro that no one can make sense of what the hell is being said in it and we actually open immediately with a with a match not just a match a, a title match uh, no like we don't get the continuation of the DX Radicals Kane storyline until after this opening match it's Kurt Angle challenging Val Venus your favourite for the European Championship, uh, a title that Valvin has won back at Armageddon, and he's defended a grand total of one time in between now and then. And I honestly forgot he was European champion until <laughs> I saw the start of this episode. 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't sad about like opening with a Kurt Angle match. <laughs> you know, yeah, I can hold off the DX and the Radicals for just a little bit longer, like maybe a year. Um, no, <laughs> well, no, I, this was this was great. I mean, Kurt Angle is so good here. He, you know, he'd hit the uh, Olympic Slam on May Young on Raw, and then he did this promo. Even though I suplex an 82 year old pregnant woman, I'm still a role model for children, not to mention the elderly people as well. I am, I am. Oh man, it's so <laughs> I, I don't think there's any been anybody. That has been as good in such a short time. He just hit the ground running, so he just got it. Like watching his early work, and he's not been around for that long at this point. Um, he's just he's just got it. Like I say, there's there's no other way to describe it. He's great in the ring. He's just got the character down to a T. Um, mm-hmm. I love watching a bit of early Kurt Angle. I love watching all Kurt Angle, well except for like you know Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin, Kurt Angle. Um, <laughs> that was just that shit's just depressing. Um, but yeah. Angle's amazing. Yeah. You know, listen, Val Venus is a bit of a cunt now, um, but back then he was over. um, I didn't mind him at all. He was a decent worker. Hello, ladies. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, the people popped for it. They loved a bit of the towel. They loved a bit of the gyrating. (laughs) I mean, you'd be happy you're watching him now and not when they try to make him a main event or end of 99 and giving him a clean win-ish over Mick Foley at No Mercy in 99 because that was an unbearable time to be watching Val Venus. But maybe he's right back down to the mid-card as the European champion. I think Edge is one of the only people he's defending that title against because they mentioned the, the real-life fact that he was marrying Val's sister. Uh, and, they'll mention, yeah. and they'll mention it every time Val, uh, Edge comes out, despite the fact they're not doing anything with it. They're just back randomly saying, oh, by the way, he's marrying Val's sister. No <laughs> the purpose for us to mention it. We just want to bring it up. Just in case you need to know. <laughs> yeah, and Kurt uh, fought Mark Henry on Raw, and he, he said, like, me Young came out to give her that, and then he hit her with an angle slam, and that's where was concerned because me Young's meant to be pregnant at this point. But as soon as she gets backstage, she's all right, and tries to take her shit off, and they just cut, zoom in on one of the guys who's an EMT looking shocked just to see me Young without her shirt on. And Kurt Angle's, like, excuse for... Uh, Angle Slam and Young, I thought it was Mark Henry, to which Jerry Lawler says that's an easy mistake to make. <laughs> and and oh, no. he goes on about his three eyes and everything, and also he talks about intelligence, being one of them, how he basically implies that the fans aren't that smart, so he's going to try and educate them. And then obviously in comes Val, he's retail, but he doesn't get to fully do his routine of taking the towel off while shaking his hips because Angle attacks him. Uh, what's ironic about this is I believe these two would have been in the same kind of training camp like when they brought in some new talent and they were trained by likes of Dory Funk Jr. and Tom Pritchard like these guys would have came in that class same mm-hmm. time that the Hardys Edge and Christian I believe Test and Albert were in that class as well mm-hmm. so it's actually interesting these guys would have got started at the same time and yet Val is so clearly on the way down whereas Angle's all the way like, going straight up yeah and, and it definitely, you could definitely tell that from from this match. I mean, you know, when when he's on the rise, when he's on the fall, mm-hmm. and it was the right way round. <laughs> <laughs> Angle's doing a Cameron Grant to go on to the moon. We <laughs> get a bit more current. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It, I mean, the match was decent. It was fine. It was very short. Like everything on this, you know, these shows are short. Three minutes and fourteen seconds. You know, um, but yeah, it was great. He's so smooth. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it was a decent back and forth. Angle was in control for for most of it. Uh, Val does the best move. Val hits is a kind of a fisherman suplex, but it doesn't really get the good job done. He goes up for the money shot. A uh, frog splash, but Kurt hits the ropes, knocks Val off the and it's so weird that like some, still quite early into Angle's career, like he's three months in, he's main run as a on-screen character, and yet he's he's finishing with the which will be called the Olympic Slam, followed by the Angle Slam. Isn't he actually given a name yet because he wins with the Angle Slam, but like Michael Cole calls it, oh that fireman carry, fireman yeah, carry. I, I was like, what the fuck? I know, like it's not even a fireman's carry. It, it, I remember it took so long for the Hardys like Twist of Fate to be called the Twist of Fate and I almost miss it when they eventually finally called it that but just so many oh how often they call it just, oh that swinging netbreaker by the Hardys <laughs> that they do and yeah, so yeah. Angle wins the European title and celebrates as if he's won another gold medal when in fact he's won the third lowest ranked championship uh, in the WF the, lo- the only two lower than that are probably the women's and the light heavyweight but even the hardcore title, especially given that in a couple of weeks, the 24-7 rules are about to come into effect, even the hardcore title is above the European title at this point. Yeah. Uh, actually, speaking of the, the light heavyweight title, actually, this same SmackDown tape and uh, the following, e- following episode of Heat was taped, and that would be the episode where SAU finally ended the Okada-like reign of the title from Gilbert in like oh, under God. a minute, I believe, the match went I really liked Asirios initially, but then like it's one one of those guys when you go back and you yeah, it wasn't great. But I mean by this time like everyone just felt so similar that I was just I loved anyone that was different. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's weird because like he wins the belt and then uh for the next couple of months like Harry Tales actually gonna appear on T V before it disappeared again, which is weird how in and out of relevancy that title really went. But we go backstage uh to DX's locker room where uh, Stephanie's like staring at the TV because they've already started implying that she likes Kurt Angle before our heat. The storyline between her Angle and Triple H has even happened. That's still months away. Planting the seeds. Mm-hmm. Something that they don't do really anymore. <laughs> yeah, those seeds have been firmly planted for a while now. Uh, but honestly, this can we just summed up as villainy villains do villainy things. <laughs> it's like, this is DX planning on how they can stack the odds against the faces later on. Like, this is basically like a cartoon term that the baddies trying to other guys thought they were like you got fucking Triple H and Stephanie, the Lord Dead and Rita, this you know, you got everybody uh, the putties which are probably the radicals. You know, you can make all sorts of Saturday one cartoon references to this group of baddies <laughs> we've got here, but basically they're setting up matches between uh, members of Too Cool, the ra- uh Kishi and uh, the Radicals against uh, members of like you got a uh, Grandmaster Sex is going to take on Perry Saturn later on. Dean Blanco's going to fight Scotty Tahati. Uh, Rock and Cactus Jack are going to fight the New Age Outlaws. Uh, I believe Ben was going to take on Rikishi. And they said that I just leaves Kane. And then Xbox only realizes process elimination. He's going to have to fight Kane. Then he goes, Don't worry, it's going to be a handicap match. It's going to be you and me versus Kane, which kind of reassures Xbox. Yeah, I thought the setting on that was quite cool. He was like, Oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is like. I mean, this this getting... I, I didn't mind this at all because it was about a minute. You know, I take that over the, the 15, 20 minutes that we had on the next week's show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it accomplished it, it when you set up the rest of the show when in just at that short a time. But what I didn't like is that now this means, like, even though we've got three Radicals matches and the Radicals are very good, I mean, the, 
the difference in how they're presented this week compared to last week when they were losing is like night and day. They look how they like, really should be. But what I didn't like is that we got that very generic radical theme song playing like at least three or four times throughout the show that like oh shut up (laughs) i mean it's as generic as it is isn't it i mean but they're pretty generic as well i mean it's quite clear even from the early bits that the only one with any charisma is eddie i love eddie by the way um yeah yeah leagues above the other guys in this yeah, Eddie's clearly so more, much more charismatic. He's not even doing anything. He's just creeping about the outside with his wee arm and a sling, not even able to wrestle. Mm. It's the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it was fine. Yeah, so, yeah. Not, was, the Radicals were... I mean, I was excited about when they came in, but I never watched WCW, so it didn't mean out. Like, I didn't care. I was like, well, okay, there's four new guys. But I didn't have a clue who they were. Like, mm-hmm. at all, at this point. We, uh, we kind of talked about that last week in that they didn't really do the Radicals any favours, is that they took some very blatant shots at WCW when the Radicals were brought in, and that, oh, these guys didn't get an opportunity at WCW, and yet they come at WBF, and clearly they don't know what to do with them either at first. And, like, for a lot of fans, there are a lot of casuals. People forget how many casuals watched the company in this era and how many, and how all they went away uh, when it stopped being cool. So like a lot of these people probably are just WAF exclusive because they've been taught by WF that WCW is inferior to them, which in two thousand it basically was. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. But but that, so that was on to be the problem in the um in the invasion angle as well, you know. Yeah, so like if you're one of these casuals who just exclusively is WAF, WAF, and then these four new guys come in and go like, Oh you guys are really good, we swear, they're from some other company that you don't watch, like it's not going to be the most cool in your door. You're not going to immediately say, well, oh, well, they say they're good, so I'm going to get behind them. Yeah. Well, no. And, and I mean, as I said, they just they just arrived as four guys. There was no real uh, explanation of who they were as individuals. You know, they were just the radicals or just four guys from WCW. Um, and, and, yeah, and, and also, like, there the, the doesn't... Beyond being four guys in ECW, sorry WCW, um, like there didn't seem to be an awful lot in common. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're all quite different. Um, yeah. But yeah, as I say, um, Eddie Guerrero was clearly the only one with any charisma. Yeah, because like in WCW, they all had different gimmicks. They all had different. Uh, like they were all in different divisions. Like Eddie was Eddie and Dean were primarily cruiserweights, and whereas. Uh, Bedwall and some were kind of heavyweights, but kind of lower mid card guys. The only thing they had in common is that they were just pals in real life, and uh, like three of the four of them were in a faction with in WCW before they left, and they all decided to leave at the same time. But when they came in, yeah, they're all clearly very different, and they would all go into very different things. But it's like but, you know when when you see a faction like Evolution or DX or, or anyone like that, you go, okay, here is a bunch of guys with a common purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, yeah, nothing really. They don't really fit the definition of a radical because nothing's that radical about them. No, that's true as well. Like it's a complete like <laughs> trade description act. Yeah, and like they say, well, it's a radical. I think they're trying to say that because they like defected over to the WWF. Like that's not really a radical move considering where WCW was. It's really a case of like four guys, smart guys 
We saw the writing was on the wall and moved to the other side. Not yeah. a much of a radical I mean, move. Th- that that doesn't fit quite as well on the t-shirt. Yeah, it's like if it, was, it would be a radical move, they moved if they went across when WCW was winning and WWF was shit. But it, it, wasn't. it would also have been also radical if they'd have done it for the first time. But like other people had done this before, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, so it wasn't that radical. I mean, I yeah. suppose it's the first time that four guys have come over in that way, but yeah. But what is interesting about this episode of in particular is that there aren't as many like promo segments in between matches. Like, look, we look at the thumbnails on the network, experience match, followed by a match, followed by a match. And I think it's due to the influx of guys like Kurt Angle and the Radicals, like the more work rate guys in amongst all the characters and. Essentially, for this big episode of SmackDown, it felt like what SmackDown would go on to be known as by certain fans as SmackDown is the wrestling show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had Perry Saturn versus Grandmaster Sexy in the first match. <laughs> speaking speaking of SmackDown being the wrestling show, here's Grandmaster Sexy versus Perry Saturn. <laughs> and it, it's weird, though. We, we make jokes about like, people like Grandmaster Sexy, but him and Scotty Hotty do this thing with Rikishi, and now that they're in this kind of almost main event storyline now, with uh, that involves people who work for Triple H and Stephanie, they have become some of the most over faces in the company at this point. And like how loud the crowd is when they they're trying to get Grandma Sexy to kind of make his comeback because like when Perry Saturn's on offense, uh, the crowd are fairly silent. You know he's doing some good like suplexes and that. The crowd are silent, and then when it looks like Grandma Sexy showing some signs like that he's going to fight back, they suddenly come alive again, and it's just a weird dynamic. I mean, I, I, they they were really over, and and the, fuck, I miss crowds so much. Uh, but it was so great mm-hmm. hearing the noise that that they were making uh, for for people all night long, really, with the exception of the radicals. Um, and uh, but I, I I never liked Grandmaster Sexy. Like I know the faces here, but I oh god, he used to wind me up something chronic. I hated him. I hated him so much him and his stupid noises and fucking god um but yeah no other than that yeah <laughs> yeah he <laughs> brought back a bit of ptsd there you know sorry about that uh, no yeah, it doesn't work as a face to me he's too annoying yeah like scotty and rikishi are, are great but yeah like grandma's sex is clearly the lower part of, of that too i mean it probably explains why years later they just paired Scotty and Rikishi together as a duo in like 2004, I think. So, because Grandmaster actually doesn't really work as a as a good guy, but like, but he somehow managed to get over by proxy by being part of Too Cool. Uh, so, Sexy is like an underrated, I think, as a wrestler, though, because he has a sunset flip bomb on the outside. And then, as I said, when they get back in the ring, Bersan goes on offense with suplexes. He tries to stay. He goes after the arm, like pulling it, like he tried to pull out socket, and that would like come into play later on in the match. But uh, he hits the sexy hits the hip hop drop, the leg drop off the top. But the referee's been knocked down and doesn't wake up in time. So by the time he counts to, Saturn's had enough time to kick out. He kicks out, and then he immediately gets up, walks in the rings of Saturn, and despite the fact Grandma sixes foot's on the rope, the referee's not in position to see it, and he basically is forced to give up. He has to verbally submit when he should have been saying. Oh, look behind you. My foot's on the fucking rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one one thing I'll give Perry Saturn is he hits a fucking great elbow drop. 
Oh yeah, uh, yeah. But that that Rings of Saturn was a mess, and actually, it's quite a cool finisher. It's quite a cool submission, but he really screwed up in this match. Yeah, the Rings of Saturn's a cool looking like, finisher. I think it's one of the more one of the finishes that people don't talk about enough nowadays. Uh, but it's weird. I don't know if this was this a botch. I'm, I'm trying to wonder if. Like, yeah, um, it, just, it just felt rushed. This. It felt, just felt like they got tangled. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they tried to get the radicals over, and it was the heel faction. And and like, I don't think Grandma Six needs to be protected that much by the fact they lost, but he had his foot on the rope. That's why it makes me think that it was a botch. And what people don't realize is that looking at the members of the radicals, Benoit and Saturn were actually the two that WWE were actually were most high on when they came in, which doesn't. Translate when you watch Perry Saturn wrestle these first few weeks. No, no nothing much to get you excited for. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, isn't this something that kind of dates this episode? Because I believe it was around this point where we got highlights of the, the press conference where they announced the XFL. Oh man, this isn't going to be a league for something and put putty weights and pansies or something like that on it. The Vince says, Oh, yeah. Just, uh, Something like that, I don't know. But yeah, pussy weights and pansies, I'm sure it was. Um, yeah, the old NXFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, Vince didn't even watch football. Like, he didn't watch that much NFL, and yet was out criticising at every opportunity to promote to promote the XFL. And you think about it, of course, Vince didn't watch uh, NFL, because he probably didn't have time for the stories where he, where he works. 20-odd hours a day, gets two hours of sleep, and then the rest of the time he's in the gym by the sounds of it. So, of course, he doesn't have time to watch for the NFL. No. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. But I'd never got into American football at all, so I didn't watch either. I don't, I don't yeah, see yeah. the appeal of it. It's, just, it's basically just one long series of adverts with a little bit of action and then an advert. I, I, yeah. I, I, I very nearly went to watch after an ICW show. I it was the same night as the Super Bowl. We, I almost went with some people to watch uh, the Super Bowl and I ended up not going and I'm glad because I think it went like, I heard it was like until four hours and I thought I would have fallen asleep long before the end of that. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I couldn't, I couldn't be honest. Sometimes I've given Super Bowl a shot but I don't know if that's like a bad one to watch because it is even more adverts. Um, a smart person knows that the trailers and adverts that they play midway through the Super Bowl as what you really need to tune in for for the game. Yeah, and then everything goes on uh, on YouTube anyway. Yeah. Only only a loser watches the actual football game. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that from the comfort of my own home. There's no American football fans with any close vicinity to me. <laughs> um. Yeah. But as 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 we again going back to similar theme it was it was short enough that it wasn't a problem as you say grandma sexy is smooth enough in the ring Perry Statton's very capable in the ring but he's also this was quite messy it's not really a great showcase for him um, mm-hmm. but yeah anyway well I think we said all we can we'll move on to uh, Edge and Christian taking on the Dudley boys the Dudleys are really coming to their own as like the heel that they've been like, implementing the tables a lot recently uh, on Raw, the Dudleys came out of commentary and uh, then got involved during Edge and Christian's tie title shot against uh, the New Age Outlaws by like hanging uh, I think it was Edge's head across the roads behind the rest of the back and then that led them to get hit with the Famouser and they lost. And then later on in the night, they were, they 
Dudley's defeated Dilo Burn the Godfather and at one point Godfather like had it was favoring his legs so the EMTs came out and that uh, baby the EMT and big quotation marks came down and then the Dudley tried to put her through a table but then the Hardys and Asian Christians saved her from, from getting put through a table and they keep they keep mentioning that uh, Terry Ronald is still not back she's like emotionally scarred from being put through a table by the Dudley she may never return to the WBF oh wouldn't that be a tragedy I know, I know. Jerry's, Jerry Lawler's distraught by the prospect. Face Edge and Christian's always weird for me. Um, it just I'm, 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 yeah. sick of, I'm sick of Face Edge and Christian at this point. I'm just waiting for them to become the heels that we remember them as because, like, like watching this match, every Edge and Christian in as a face match is the exact same. Christian gets isolated, Edge gets the hot tag. That's Because that's they seem to be playing like, oh, Edge is a bit of a lazy man. He's engaged to Valvia's sister, so they seem to be portraying that Edge is great. Christian is shit, which isn't fair. <laughs> no, it's funny because like um, I'm, I listen to a lot of, of, of retro uh, Inside the Ropes uh, on the Inside the Ropes podcast and stuff, and they were just did a bit about the the awards for PWI uh, awards for 2000. Um, and as like new uh, new guys or, or most improved or something something along those lines, but Christian was was ahead of Edge by by a decent distance in the poll, readers poll uh, of of people that they thought was going to be like a breakout star. Um, so they really thought people watching it seemed to really think that Christian was the guy, not Edge, which is strange considering that. Edge was already over, really, before Christian arrived as a singles guy. Yeah, and I think there's like a group of like fans that really have taken the Christian because Christian's often been considered like the more underrated member because of how WWE presented him compared to like when Christian went to TNA and was like one of the top guys for a couple of years. I mean, yeah. To be to be fair, most guys from WWE could have gone into TNA at that point and been the top guy. Yeah, but, yeah. I think I think he's one of the people that more suited it rather than when fucking RVD went to to TNA and they gave him the belt after like a month. Well, yeah, he had a point to prove, and and that's what you need when you, you know it's like people talk about AW and and who they should sign and whatever. The only people that they should sign the ex WWE guys are the guys that have got a point to prove. There's no point because otherwise they're just going to find themselves in the same position. Um, or just bringing in guys for the sake of bringing in guys, but when they bring in people like. Uh, the late great Brody Lee, he had a point to prove, um, and, and he was motivated to do that. When Christian went to TNA, he had a point to prove that he could do it on his own. He could be a star on his own. Um, Lavi didn't have a point to prove. He didn't give a shit. He never does. Don't give a shit about anything. Really, he's so high half the time anyway. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, I, I think that's it's important about motivation, really, as well. You know, I was kind kind of surprised how how. His poor Miro's been in AEW to be honest, because um, yeah. I really felt that he was one of those guys that was going to go over and, and sort of uh, blow things up a bit, but that hasn't been the case. But you want to the match? I, I, I seem to have uh, noted that's quite wrong, or either, either there's something that I credit. I forgot to mention something because I should have here. And Bubba seems to have hurt his leg, but I've actually put Bubba seems to have his leg. Like, I put it that Bubba Ray has a leg. But yeah, Bubba seems to, appears injured. 
uh, and he goes to the outside, so he's not a factor in the first. Edge and Christian win when uh, Dave was kind of avoiding going down after a sunset flip, and then Edge dies off the top with a drop kick, and Edge and Christian win. It seems like a nothing match. Like uh, these two teams will have better in the future, but it's all about the post match where Bubba it's, it's is. An, uh, it's a match to set up an angle. That's all it is. Yeah, that's that's basically how this era is. But Bubba gets taken on the stretcher. BB's there. Like, not really. She's been professional, despite the fact that these guys try to put through a table on Raw. And then, like, there's a point where, I love this point where Devon says, like, Bubba, does it hurt? And he just kind of stops, and you see the change in his face. He goes, no, it doesn't hurt. And he immediately grabs BB. And these EMTs and the bloody referees are just useless because they do very little to stop them uh, putting BB through the table. Like, they do the Lily Wonka approach. Stop, don't, come back. <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't. It's amazing how like nobody stops from doing this. Like mm-hmm. everybody is so massively ineffectual. And there's like yeah. fucking tons of guys. I know that they're wrestlers, but there's fucking tons of them. Agent Christian come out, but they don't come out until after she's already put the table. And even then, Devon comes back and hits them both with a chair. So they've like they're proven very ineffective. And this is like that, like I said, that phase we all go through that Bubbery has of being obsessed with putting women through tables. Yep. And he gets the whole trance look. Yep. And I believe yeah. this is the last thing BB's ever showed on TV, which ends a very short and very forgettable run oh, that she had. Oh, BB. Leave, leave the memories alone. <laughs> But, yeah, I hope we should just have a moment silence for the career of BB, and that was it. So uh, yeah, next, yeah, that was fair enough. <laughs> I think that's all it's worth, really. And naturally, on a conclusion from a, a woman getting put to the table, we go on to Scotty Tehotty versus the Malenko. And I was attracted at first because I saw a sign right on the hard cam says Murkishi is the real Mister Ass. Do you know? Um, do you know why BB was fired? By the way, I don't know. There were reports at the time uh, that she was fired because she was fucking Bob Holly. Oh, she was, was married. Yeah. yeah, they got married eventually. Yeah, but she, that, Bob Holly that, was yeah. married, um, and then when they found out about it, they uh, um, they they booted her off. Um, I mean, she was also shit. So <laughs> I think she did. I knew she got with it, Bob Holly. I didn't, I didn't realize that that played a part in her getting fired. Though, so there you go. Every day is a school day. Yeah. Did you know um, that uh, she also appeared in TNA? Yeah, like once, I think. <laughs> there you go. That's all we need to know about BB. That's a very, that wraps up the very short career retrospective of BB. So we go on. And it's about what, what, what she deserves. <laughs> <laughs> it's about what she deserved, yeah. Uh, Old Kathy but- Dingleman. Oh, Dingman. <laughs> Fucking no. Yeah. Oh, good name. <laughs> uh, well, well, what's up about BB is when she come out and say BB, and then when I come to say Barbara Bush, they're like, yes, because that's what you really need to explain this joke to make it funnier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, right, okay, next. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to Oliver's This is what we want to be talking about because this is a far better match, I think, than uh, the Grandmaster Sexy. Uh, versus Perry Saturn match. It follows a very similar, uh, as far as a very similar like dynamic with uh, Scotty getting a brief like flurry. He sends Blink his steps, but then 
uh, trying to get behind him because he's getting worked over by Malenko. You've got Eddie Guerrero creeping around ringside. Uh, Malenko goes after the leg of Scotty to set up a submission towards the end, very similar to how uh, Saturn did with Grandma Six, except he was going after the arm. Scotty, he goes for some sort of roll through, but Scotty reverses and starts laying and punches on Malenko. Malenko uh, locks in a Boston crab. He's got the knee right in the back. Uh, and they put over the fact that he's killed the man of a thousand holds. Uh, Scotty does the most over over yet ineffective move since the people's elbow uh, with the, the worm. And uh, he goes up to the top, but behind the rest back, Eddie Guerrero pushes him off and then takes his cool release. Steve Malenko wins. And talk about people who have better matches than all the. These two will have a match at Backlash later this year, which is absolutely stellar. But this is a decent look like, for a TV match. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I mean, this this is obviously early days of Dean Malenko, um, but it was a definite showing of what could be uh, and what would, as you say, mentioned, would, would go on to be a, a, a great match. Um, and, and to be honest, Malenko's only great match in his run in the WWE, um, yeah, uh, he's, he, he, again, completely lacking in charisma. Got away with it in WCW because there was a good cruiserweight division that he could bounce off and, and, and wrestle with. Um, but in the WWE, it's all about charisma and personality, which he lacks. Yeah, I don't think he goes for like... I think he lasts like a year in the WF as a in-ring competitor before taking up the role as a backstage producer that he would have for many years up until recently right with the star of AEW when he went over there. And where he, he plays the same role as a as a producer, yeah. so he wasn't long for like in ring stuff. But then we have a uh, Grammar Society coming out because Eddie Guerrero and Michael can't help but put the bits to Scotty afterwards. So it comes Grandmaster Sexy to chase them off because everyone's afraid of Grandmaster Sexy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like ecstatic. He's so much like fucking Jerry Lola. It's crazy. Yeah, you'd almost think they were related, even though they I don't know. mention it. Whatever. How could they be? I do like when they throw in references to it, like uh, when uh, he came out number two, uh, or one or two at the uh, 2000 Royal Rumble, King says, oh, Grandma has actually got a bad break, and then Jerry goes, someone say he got that at birth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of subtle digs. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Taz, I love me some Taz. But this yep. promo made no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah, this is weird because he, he debuted at the Rumble with a. They keep, for weeks, they were teasing this whole like, that logo flashing up in like, someone's voice saying survive and all that, and the mood's about to change. He deb- has that hot debut. He lost last week in a triple threat match that involved The Rock and Kurt Angle. Uh, he had a weird squash match with the Ancient Boss where. Anything that could possibly go wrong seemed to go wrong, uh, botch-wise. And then suddenly he's having vignettes. What you, what's the point of having vignettes for someone who's already debuted? Like, these are some of the videos you should be playing on the lead-up to his debut. And, yeah, the, the phrase he says is that you may beat me, but you'll never defeat me. Like, I, no, I, I was like, what? That is literally the same thing. Like saying, <laughs> I think it's like for the same phrase of, like, Oh, you'll win the you won a battle, but you'll never win the war. But somehow they thought, oh, that doesn't yeah, sound but, intimidating. Well, but, definitely sounds intimidating. But, but that's not what he said, because that makes yeah, sense. No. And what he said, fucking was wrong, and he sounded like a twat saying it. Um, 
But yes, I love Taz. Um, he was obviously never really going to get over. Uh, they were never going to use him properly, uh, which is a shame because he's great. But I think I think they're going for a version of his like his old catchphrase to survive or beat me if you can survive if I let you. Now that's a catchphrase. That's a catchphrase. Yeah. Love that catchphrase. We're trying to make it their own like somehow. It's not, like, it's not like ECW would have had that copyrighted. <laughs> Like, I think they were trying to like, get their own, and then they did such a poor job of making it their own. And, you know, every now and then I, I feel bad for Taz and how he's been presented already, and then I remind myself how annoying he is in AEW, and I don't feel sorry for him anymore. Hmm. So there you go. Yeah. We, also yeah. get a reminder that, we also get a reminder that Raw has uh, got a special start time, a uh, later start time, because they were preempted because of the Westminster Dog Show. Uh, which gives Sarah Lawler a chance to say, oh, I think people would rather see the WF puppies than Westminster puppies. I think they were barking up the wrong tree whoever made that decision. <laughs> oh, it was a rough yeah. time for the WWF. It, it certainly was. Um, <laughs> fuck it now. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. Everything's gone to the dogs. You can say all you want about Jerry Lawler like, having to get a puppy joke in, but honestly, given that they were bearded by a dog show, it would actually be weirder um, if he didn't he, make a puppy yeah, reference. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the, uh, one thing that I noticed at this point, on the, on the stage they've got the logo for the U, UPN, the, the network that they're, they're on. It has to be one of the worst fucking logos I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's so clunky. It's like a fucking five-year-old did it. Do you notice it? No, I don't really take notice of it now. Um, hang on, let me try and see if I can. Yeah, the the U's in a circle, the P's in a triangle, and the squ- uh, ends in a square, and they're all in different like um, bits. Which it just it looked, it looked really clunky, like somebody had made it up from like I mean, obviously early days Photoshop. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was bad. If you didn't notice it, then that's kind of wasted on you. So fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, the kind uh, of top quality content you're expecting here, folks. Yeah, that was quality cool, piece of video. Now on to the rock and catch. Well, you didn't know. If you didn't know. Yeah, ass better call. How weird is it having a heel champions having a heel team that are so over as faces? We're doing a face thing of doing the sing along promo. I, it's just so bizarre. Yeah, I've just been a point of contention for me. Like they went for a couple of weeks without doing their the huge stick, which got them more over his heel, and then suddenly went back to doing it. Because like nothing's worse than like them winning by nefarious means over like up and coming like babyface or babyface that's over, and then the very next thing you hear is the and the whole crowd going, "Oh, you didn't know!" Like the crowd yeah, should so, be doing the hell out of these guys right now. So you change the fucking music. <laughs> yeah. You know, they you give the them something away. else. You take the music away. You know, it's not they, hard. They tried to like, they tried to like have Rudolph change up his stick to insult the crowd. Was we all kick it doggy style with the mamas, but people yeah. like didn't take notice of it. Oh. But yeah, they them yeah. taking on Rock and guys. Okay, so they realise I'm going that they can't call him the Rock and Sock anymore because that's technically mankind because guys that doesn't use the sock. Uh, but Kelly Jack comes out about uh, 17 days to the biggest match of my career, and he promises that he's going to WrestleMania. And he says to them, like, 
they may not be in hell until tonight, but they will be hell to pay for the New Age Outlaws. And then we start the match. I immediately noticed right on the hard camera, a thing that just popped up. We want tugboat. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want tugboat? We all want tugboat. Should be the remix of Al Snow things. So what does everybody want? Tugboat. <laughs> oh yeah. What? Well, yeah. Great. Great guy. <laughs> What's really interesting is that given that like Foley's kind of winding down and these bodies and the shape it is and the rock is so over that it would, be, it would feel like it would feel appropriate to have Mick Foley be the guy getting the beating and then the rock gets the hot tag. But actually, they go the opposite route here, where actually the rock is the one that gets beat up by the was and um, it has to then cut get to cut his jacks comes in and he just starts biting Road Dog on the head. Uh, I believe there's a, t- a title belt shot on the rock behind the rest back, but the rock is part of the bone, so he's immune to such shots to the head, and so kicks out at two. And they mentioned here that The Rock's got that match with Big Show at no edge to determine who goes to WrestleMania. And it's at this point I thought, where is The Big Show? Because he wasn't yeah. on Raw. He wasn't on, on any of this SmackDown. I think he, he returned on Raw. And I think they explained he was away because he went on vacation to Hawaii. That's where The Big Show was for a week. And Just dedication to he, Big Show's done fuck all to deserve going on vacation, if I'm honest, <laughs> from what I've seen in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I don't know what the fuck he went, he went away for. Did he save up his vacation days? I don't. Some some massive Hawaiian pizzas. I love the Cactus Jack theme song. It's one of my favourites. Um, it's such a belter. And you don't hear it very often because he's, he's not Cactus Jack a lot in, in, in WWF. Um, but it's bing a nigga bong bong bing a nigga bong bong. It's instinct like. For me, Cactus Jack is up there with Mankind as my favourite Foley's. Like, I'm not... Dude, love. Yeah, whatever. Um, but I fucking love Cactus Jack. He cuts a promo on the second show that we're going to be reviewing uh, at some point. Um, that's fucking amazing. He's so good on promos as Cactus Jack. I love Cactus Jack. Um, I, if it wasn't for the fact that how much I love early Mankind... Um, then I would say Cactus Jack's my favourite, but early Mankind is so good. Um, and when it comes out to do the hot tag, we get a million in punches, which always means we get the same noise with any people throw the Hedja, 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 It's a great. I thought, the other thing I love about I love in wrestling is people that talk in wrestling and people that make make noises and stuff like that. Um, you know, J- um, fuck, uh, what's his name? Dory Funk. Is um, not Dory Funk. Terry Funk is is a great one for that. Oh Mick! Oh Mick! Oh God! My ear! Oh no! And just all the way through the match, it's so good, and I I just love it. Kevin Owens is is a good one for doing it nowadays. Um, but yeah, it, I, I fucking love the Cactus Jack. Um, the crowd is so loud. I I my, my, my next note is I miss crowds so much. Yeah. Um, but that that sell by Billy Billy Gunn on the spit punch in the corner was hilarious. Do you notice he, he bounced on the ropes and then bounced back down? <laughs> it's just a bit like a rubber ball. There, there are a few people, wrestlers, as noisy as Mick Foley when giving punches. Like Kane, every now and then would and doing a big like uppercut every now and then when he was doing a brawl, would go ah when he, when he was doing punches. But like I just love wrestlers that have their own specific noises when they're yeah. doing moves. And Mick Foley like stands out over most of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just has that bit of extra sort of 
I don't know, meat to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the match finishes with a belt shot, and I, I'm going to say I fucking hate belt shots. Well, they had the belt shot Rock kicked out earlier on, but Big Fuller used like a pipe at one point randomly when the Rock was like fighting with Billy Gunn, and then gets the gets the pin, pulls him off after in two, so that he can then hit a pile driver, and then Rock and uh, Cactus Jack win. So and, yeah, uh, that was the that was the finish, not the but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I lucky hate um, belt shots. I don't think they ever look good. I've never seen a single belt shot look good. I do love like he kicked out. Although it depends what kind of title they use, how effective it usually is. Because more than a world title shot, but a belt shot with a heavyweight title or a WF title, more than not, that's the end of it. I think with someone with a tag belt or the IC belt, usually someone will kick out of that. Yeah, but it's it's it it just it just doesn't look it it, it never looks anything more than like. Okay, he's basically doing a a a, um, a clothesline, but with a bit of metal on it, and it's very soft, and it just mm-hmm. doesn't look doesn't doesn't look like it would win a match. It doesn't even look like it'd knock someone down, let alone win a match. Hmm. It's funny how quickly we move on in the show because we go from that to the next match with nothing really in between it. We've got Prince Albert and Jacqueline, the WF Women's Champion, fresh off. Uh, Raw this past week where she defended it successfully against Luna taking on Luna and real life husband Gangrel Gangrel, the, uh, I believe, Rookie of the Year 1993 uh, as you mentioned in one of your wrestling quizzes <laughs> can't yes. remember who it was was that, was that an Ian one? Did he, was that one of his ones that he read out that it was Rookie of the Year or was that, I can't remember oh, yeah yeah, well, that was that was one of the, the Who Am I's, wasn't it? mm-hmm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember finding it like, oh, that was, that, that, oh, it's Gangrel. I remember listening to that one. Like, when the fuck was Gangrel? Why the fuck was Gangrel <laughs> being called Rookie of the Year? Like, what was he even doing in 1993? Yeah. No, uh, yeah. He, Gangrel has a fucking great entrance um, and, and a great look. He's not very good in the ring, let's be honest. But I love Luna. Fucking Luna is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, this match was. You could go for that piss and forget to pause it and come back, and this match would be done. Yeah, and which is fair because it was shit. Yeah, and because like, very little happens. Prince Albert and Gangrel are very ineffective. It's weird that Luna and Jacqueline are the two better wrestlers because usually, given the time period, given that many of the women don't get properly trained, it's rather than a next side, the two women involved. Are the two are better than the two male wrestlers that they're teamed with? Luna wins randomly with a DDT. Uh, also, as you mentioned, after Luna lost to Jacqueline Raw, Jacqueline got properly drilled into the mat with an Impaler DDT by Gangrel. And I feel weird saying using words like drilled when you're screaming Gangrel and a woman because Gangrel directs porn now. There's all sorts of jokes you can make there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he he specialises um, on on. Oh fuck, I can't even say. Can I say that? Can I make that joke? Oh fuck it, why not? Who cares? He specialises on women at a particular time of the month. So every movie's a bloodbath. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it, I don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Luna yeah. <laughs> wins, I put then the faces are sore losers because uh, Jacqueline and uh, Jacqueline and uh, Jacqueline and Rose Albert beat him up after the match. I think within uh, like a week, Luna's gone from the company. She got fired due to an incident with a producer. They should try to play off as a rib, but the person, who, the producer who was involved in it, said it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And then so she's gone. And then Gangrel's back to be on his own again, and Gangrel's on the downward trail because, like, he's one of the the characters that thrived in like '98 and '99, but now he's not got Bruce or Luna to make him interesting, and they've got all these new people coming in. Like, he's pretty much his days are numbered. Yeah, he would uh, he'd leave like within a year, I think, and then work on the Indies as the Vampire Warrior. <laughs> It sounds like some sort of shit TV movie. Yeah, no, it's bad. Mind you, I, I got to say, I did pop for him on uh, in it, when he turned up on the um, Sammy Gruer and Matt Hardy match. I did pop for Gangrel. Yeah, I, I voted for that too. Yeah, it's probably the best one of that match. But it's weird on the uh, the network now that whenever Benoit is in a match, it won't say that he's wrestling because, like, on the network and the, the thumbnails for this bit. It comes up, Rikishi competes in a singles match because they don't want to mention Benoit if all possible. No, well, no, but then Jerry Lawler does make a point about him having a killer instinct. Mm-hmm. And they really hone in on him being called the Crippler as well over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah Rikishi is probably the most over he's ever been. Uh, it's a someone drop on Benoit, sends him out of the steel steps on the outside. The crowd do pop, and the commentators are impressed when Ben was actually able to get Rikishi up for a Northern Light suplex, which is pretty impressive. He does uh, get managed to get Rikishi in the uh, crossface. Rikishi gets his foot on the rope, and this this time the referee is competent and notices it, and so orders the 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 hole be broken up on Light in the Grand Master Six match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it makes sense, like because Rikishi's over. And they want to protect Benoit. They want to protect them both. So a DQ finish makes sense. Also, it, you know, it, it makes them look more cowardly because they're not taking them on one-on-one and all that sort of stuff. So as a booking decision, it's fine. Uh, it's just the match was fine. You know, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's not going to be anything great uh, for that length of time anyway. But it was it was fine. It wasn't offensive. It was good. Yeah, it, was good. it was good for the length of time they had, I think. Yeah, yeah. Of the, the radicals uh, versus two field matches is uh, easily the best one. Uh, Benoit goes to the diving head, but he misses. Uh, he gets a belly to belly, and they always take the opportunity to comment on him because she's size when, oh, he gives new meaning to the phrase belly to belly. At one point, he goes for the, the bonsai drop, but then the radicals make a run in, and then two cool come out to make the save. And then they go to leave, and then Rikishi gets brought back in by two cool, and then they all do their wee dance. And ah, love the dancing, love the dancing. One of my favorite spots in the Rumble history is is them three of them dancing. Mm-hmm. That's in the two thousand, isn't it? It's two thousand. Yeah, that was two thousand. And, uh, and then the dancing, then Rikishi just lobs the other two guys out the ring. Yeah, I was like, a little bit of that. Right. Yeah. I do love JR's like comment on it, like you know, very serious. JR goes, "Well, folks, we've done, we've seen it all. We're gonna dance for a while." <laughs> Uh, we've got uh, Royal Rumble 2008 coming up uh, next week 
uh, we're reviewing. Um, looking forward to that one because that also has one of my favourite moments, which has also been, which has now been ruined, uh, which is Piper and Snooker, because uh, mm. that was such a cool moment at the time. Before we realised it, you know, well, before I realised that Jimmy Snooker was a murdering bastard. Um, it's one of the few times somebody has been eliminated from a rumble before entering it. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Finley, one of the few black spots of that rumble match. I think the fact that he like somehow gets DQ'd in a rumble match, and yet you watch this who is in one rumble match, and you got people coming in with trash cans and shit like that. But you know, I don't. I, don't, I have a feeling Callum. Uh, I don't know why. But I feel Callum is very happy about you guys talking about this rumble. <laughs> you know, it's one of his favourite moments. Uh, definitely, I, I'm now looking forward to it. it should be fun. It's a good. It's a good card overall. I had. I didn't. It's one of those ones. So every uh, for the benefit of those that come across our podcast every month, we do a a throwback special, and we each pick a pay per view that we want to review based on a theme, and then we put it out to the people on Twitter, um, and people vote. And to be honest, sometimes sometimes there's one that I really want to win, like the one I pick. Is like oh, I really got to watch that. Um, like Survivor Series 95 I picked that fucker three or four times before I get to watch it um, <laughs> <laughs> finally we managed to get to do it um, but this time I was just like I, I, don't, I don't really care which one wins because they were all three good picks and like I didn't particularly dog in the race so should be fun cool. I, I love I love every well not every rumble some rumbles are shit but rumble's my favourite pay-per-view so yeah there's always a, always something we're talking about even with the shit rumble I don't think I've ever seen a wrestling fan that Says like they don't like the rumble. And if someone says they don't like the rumble, I'll say that they're a liar. <laughs> it's going to be weird this year without like the fans doing the ten nine eight. But um, you know, it, it's obviously yeah, it's got to be done. Um, but yeah, if 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 um, if the Royal Rumble had all of the all of the extra stuff that that WrestleMania has, I would totally prioritize Rumble over WrestleMania for going to see it. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be in a crowd at a rumble. Yeah, it's going to be strange not seeing fans at uh, the rumble. But is it any stranger than a Thai team given, being given the name Head Cheese? Because <laughs> what we have next, we have Hardy's taking on Head Cheese, Dave Blackman now. So Blackman doesn't like being called Head Cheese. Uh, uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it's this one, I think it may be a match next week they have where Al Snow tries to hypnotize Blackman with, you are very charismatic, you like being part of his cheese, and Blackman takes the watch off of him when he tries to hypnotize him, and as he says, one of the actual more charismatic lines that he Blackman's ever said, and he looks at the watch and goes, oh look at that, it's time for our match, and then throws the watch away. <laughs> I like this, I like this pairing, um, I mean, you know, he's he's not a charismatic guy, um, but uh, Al Snow was, uh, sorry, it made sense, it, it, it worked. They, they fed off each other quite nicely. Like Jeff Hardy, it's a, a whisper in the wind in this match at one point, in which he pretty much almost completely missed it. He almost went right sailing right he over. He always nearly misses it. It's a sh- I hate that move because it, it very rarely does he hit it and it look good. I mean, I mean, they're all whisper in the winds look good compared to that one he hit on. Well, I say hit in the American. Oh, the one gender. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, so funny, because he still sells it. He just, he just falls down like one of the toys when Andy comes back into the room. <laughs> Good shout. 
I'm proud of myself as well. Yeah. But they do pack a lot into this match as well. That's one thing you can see, even though the matches are short and this year, especially on SmackDown, they do pack a lot in. Uh, there are some points that look a bit, don't look as smooth as others. There's a point where uh, Matt, I think, gets launched up and then lands on the, across the knee of Al Snow. They try and do a version of the heart attack, but I think the, the whichever Harley they hit it on nearly hits his head right off the bottom rope. Uh, the point where Matt gets dragged outside by Steve Blackman gets dropped across the steel steps. Uh, Blackman goes for a headbutt and then he gets distracted because the fans are trying to head G's and he doesn't like it. And so he goes for the headbutt, but he misses. Uh, Jeff, it's a sent uh, on to the outside on Al Snow. And I say that very loosely as, again, he pretty much almost like... Uh, Al Snow just had my TV there as he was falling through the air and just crashed on the outside. Matt uh, goes has the trust of fate, goes to the top. It's weird how easily distracted these referees are because Evo one distracts the ref and then uh, I think it's Bubba Ray hits Matt with a chair and then Edgy's uh, had a, a better looking tag move than what their their name deserves uh, where they the leg drop across the... Well, Blackman has him across his knee and Al Snow dies off and does a leg drop. So it's a pretty cool finisher but it doesn't suit a team called Hedgies who, who end up getting the win over the Hardys thanks to as you would say, those damn deadlifts. Yeah, no, it's um, I, I fucking the the refs in the WWF man. How would they? How did he, how did Tim White not hear that? Mm-hmm. It just ah, uh, another another little pet peeve for you, ladies and gents. Referees are deaf and blind. Clearly, I think I think at one point a jailer can. Uh, says that when the rest is playing, I think it's when they do the Grandmaster Sexy spot with him being and having his foot in the rope. And then when I read about this spot, I think Joe does say, these refs deaf as well as blind. But like, yeah. maybe they'll put it down. It's like the crowd is so hot and so noisy, the ref can't hear can't hear a chair show. Yeah, I'm not being funny, but you could hear that. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely hear that. Uh, well, hey, geez, get the wind. Do you have fond memories of hey, geez, Cause I don't. <laughs> Um, I mean, um, as I say, I, I think it worked from the point of view that, you know, it gave them something to do. Um, I enjoyed uh, Steve Blackman's run as a hardcore champion. I enjoyed that. Um, I like his music. But he is the blandest man. So, I, 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 to be honest, I, I quite enjoyed the pairing of those two. Um, so, maybe it doesn't hold up very well with hindsight, um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, he'd probably be an internet darling at some point uh, if he was like <laughs> uh, around now. Because like, he'd be one of the guys who oh, can cut a promo, but he's a good wrestler. So everyone on Twitter would say, why is he not being pushed? Because he's boring as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he's, he isn't great at all. Um, I, I don't think anybody, I mean, I don't think anybody's clamoring for Steve Blackman. Um, even in the crowds, really, to be honest. But didn't they like Al Snow? So the rub uh, definitely helps. So uh, this next uh, match that's coming up was set up by two separate uh, segments on Raw, uh, both involving the glory that is Viscera. But it's just a shame that Viscera isn't even on SmackDown this episode. But what happened was on I was, Raw. I personally was was very disappointed. And so we, we all should be. But the Acolytes took on the Hollies in a hardcore tag match on Raw, which quickly ended up then going back to the concession stand with like beer balls being thrown and the Acolytes helping themselves to some beer like 
There's actually Steve uh, Farouk like takes the tap where the beer is pouring and just puts his mouth around it and just takes a drink. And then there's a point where the uh, Bradshaw's got I think hard girl up on the bar. I think he's got a power bomb off it onto a table. And then out comes Frister with a two by four comes in the corner, slips and takes some. On, they claim there's the beer on the floor. So Mister comes in for his run in for the match and then slips on his fucking ass. He's like the shock master in a big bin bag. And then hits, <laughs> he hits uh, Bradshaw with the 2 by 4 He falls off the bar through a table. Uh, hardcore Holly pins on the Holly's win. And then uh, the very next segment, uh, Viscera manages to cover from his great fall because he faces Jericho for the Intercontinental title. Jericho calls him Vista the Hut and says he's the love child of, I think, Fat Albert and Mr. T. And says, I pity the fool who tried to take my IC title. Whistler uh, is very dominant in that match before the Hollies come out and the APA, which has, leads to a big brawl. And the Hollies are trying to take the IC title here on SmackDown. Um, yeah, welcome to Jericho is COVID. Oh, oh, oh trust me. By the time this is out, we'll have done a, me and Jimmy will have done a like grapple updates talking about impact and AEW and everything and I will have had some things to say about fucking Jericho the mega COVID spreader <laughs> fucking prick I, I, somebody was like quite rightly put I, I, I like Chris Jericho but I hate Chris Irving or whatever his fucking real name is um, but I'm also a bit like yeah I don't like either of them. <laughs> no I, I, I respect um, Jericho um, as long as he's not on commentary He's uh, fucking unbearable in commentary. He, he's unbearable in general. <laughs> like, oh, I got tested as soon as I got home. And it turns out I was asymptomatic and I, I, I then did my two-week quarantine. Yes, but you just came from a massive dynamite taping where you probably infected everybody because you did a Sturgis concert with no mask. Yeah. Who would have no, thought, who, I would have a, who would thought that would have backfired on you? <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm a I'm a journalist. That's why I have these conspiracy nutters on my podcast. You're not a fucking journalist. You studied journalism. You're the, you're as much a journalist as I am. And I did actually yeah. study journalism. He's no, um, yeah. I I I couldn't. I tried listening to his podcast a couple of times in the past when he's had like interviews with interesting people on. Um, but I just can't stand him. He's so over the top. Yeah. But anyway. Um, yeah, let's yeah, focus on when Jericho was good, shall we? Yeah. Because the Hollies are, are backstage talking about this match, you know, and Crash is putting the Hollies hardcores like mine, he's saying that it's going to be easy because he's going to fight us both for the IC title. He said it's going to be no DQ and his arm's going to be tied behind his back. And Jericho comes out talking about how uh, how easy it's going to be for him to still beat the Hollies even though his arm's tied behind his back. And uh, he continues, it was Jericho, I think, who first calls... Uh, Couple of years ago, who first called Crash Holly Elroy Jetson, which is a chant that would follow him for pretty much the rest of his run, I think. And he goes, I'm going to beat Hardcore and his boy Elroy. And <laughs> this would then lead to loud Elroy chants for Crash's matches going forward. Ah. And yeah, so, it looks I love Crash Yeah, well, I miss Crash Holly. Uh, looks like the odds are against Jericho, but what's the less than a minute into the match when the Hollies are in control. Out come the APA uh, to attack them. Dominator on Crash. Jericho then casually makes the cover. Jericho retains the IC title. 
I, I love Crash. However, um, I was very disappointed in this Dominator by Farouk. <laughs> it was the softest Dominator I've ever heard seen in my life. And the best yeah. thing about I fucking love a Dominator, largely because Farouk generally tries to kill the person. Person fucking <laughs> doing it. Um, and I, I mean, I'm glad that. You know, he didn't do that to Crash Holly in some ways, but equally, if I want to see a Dominator, I want to see a fucking Dominator. Uh, <laughs> and this was very, very soft. <laughs> but, you know, hey-ho. What's, what's more interesting than this match is that uh, they explain that China isn't a copy in Jericho because they even started a whole partnership that no one asked for because China is off filming an episode of Third Rock from the Sun. And I vaguely remember her being in it. I thought that happened before this, but clearly not. Uh also, when Crash Holly is coming to the ring, I believe this aired on UPN, they, over- they advertise a TV movie that Crash Holly is going to appear in, which is called Operation Sandman, Warriors in Hell, I believe the full title is. And uh, I've got the uh, the IMDb up for this. It stars uh, Ron Perlman is in it. Uh, Bob Holly plays a character called Sterner, I believe if I'm reading this right. Uh this is a long arse fucking... I did not think the the summary, the plot summary, would be this long. Let's <laughs> well, see if I can get to this. In the heat of an American desert, Captain Gene Farrell arrives at a secret military installation run by Ignite Dr. Harlan Jessup. Jessup is conducting an Operation Sandman, an experiment involving a group of soldiers who have volunteered to be injected with the juice. That definitely isn't something that Harker Holloway is unfamiliar with. A drug that <laughs> enables, enables them to function without sleep. The human soldiers led by Griff and abusive Gunny Riggins continually take part in vital research scenarios whereby they face terrorist kidnappers, guerrillas, and a plethora of other situations that demand split-second timing and undying obedience in the face of danger. Fuck, that was a run-on sentence. What was that? What was that called again? Uh, the film? Yeah. Operation Sandman. Operation... Sandman. Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't the first time something happened on UPN that we had to Google. Mid early '99, right? With mid '99, we had to stop and Google a show that they advertised called Shasta McNasty, which uh, ended up being a, a punishment for Jimmy and Nathan at one point, where they had to watch the pilot episode of that show. <laughs> so at some point, I'm going to suggest Nathan that someone's going to have to watch Operation Sandman at some point. Uh, well, um, the reason the reason I asked that is because. We've started doing a new series on uh, the Undisputed Wrestling Podcast called Wrestling with Film, where we watch terrible films starring wrestlers. We've done uh, Santa Slay, and we're just about to do uh, Wrestlers vs. Zombies, uh, which I can't wait because it's so hilariously bad. Um, Operation Sandman could be in contention for being done for Wrestling with Film because it sounds just the kind of hilariously bad crap that uh, we're looking for. <laughs> And I know Callum loves a bit of Bob Holly, so there you go. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not reading. I'm not reading any more of this. This bloody. I'm not reading any more of this because it it goes on for far too long. But yeah, I'm trying to look up if there's anybody else worthwhile in this film. I can't see anybody. Tony. Ooh, who's this? Tony Devon. Never heard of him. Hey, who else is in this? Literally nobody else I can, I can really recognise. I would not recognise anybody else other than Bob Holly or Ron Perlman if I had a tattoo of them on my arse. <laughs> um, 
You mean you're not familiar with the great works of Michael Wolzman? Wolzen, who's who's really famous for being uh, a part of... Oh, he was in Beverly Hills 90210 for a couple of episodes. Um, and um, that's about it. So I'm trying to figure out what... This has got a 4.1 out of 10 on IMDb, this film. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch the trailer in a bit. First day, uh, first bit... First, like review, see, I believe there's a user review that's given it two stars and just given the word dull. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to spend some time looking at the critic reviews later on because I have a feeling they're going to be very, very harsh. Yeah, oh. I would have thought this is not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I've been far anyway, too much. Back to the, uh, back to the uh, next, next match, the main event. Yeah, back to the main event because we got Triple H backstage basically reassuring. Uh, reassuring export that it's going to be fine and that so they're getting on like he can't beat you one-on-one he can't beat me one-on-one and so you know it should be fine we he can't beat either of us sorry i'm just i'm looking up nelson mccormick right now uh who directed operation sandman just for a second oh yeah so he's actually been involved in quite a bit here this guy is you guys directed three episodes of a show called Hunt earth which i watched with Al Pacino, it's a bit Nazi hunters. He directed six episodes of Criminal Minds, one episode of Homeland, five episodes of uh, Prison Break. Oh, he, he directed one episode of Daredevil. <laughs> Why, how did this guy's career somehow improve from Operation Sandman? I guess everybody has different... He did a 2009 remake of a horror film called Stepfather. Uh, yeah, he's done a lot of TV directing here. Like he's done House and fucking CSI episodes as well. How how does this guy go from Operation Sandman to shit like this? Well, I mean, I'll have to watch the film and let you know. <laughs> he might be Sorry, a hidden I'm, gem, you never know. Sorry, I'm going to have to move on from this before I go too far down the rabbit hole. But yeah, Kane versus Xbox and Triple H. You know, with Paul Bearer on the outside, Paul Bearer doesn't really do much. But Kane immediately chases the Xbox through the crowd and they come back through the obviously the barricade where Triple H dives off the, the apron hits Kane with a clothesline. Uh, Triple H hits the, the knee but knee to the face and then there's a thing kicked by Xbox but Kane then immediately sits back up. Xbox at one point goes for cover and Kane, what I love with big men do, they basically kick out but they throw the guy like across the ring. It's like a little thing that some big wrestlers do but I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, it- Fine. I, yeah. Again, it uh, uh, it was a match that served for an angle. Yeah, I mean, I like that Kane's still being made to dominant because no matter what they do, he seems to come back from it. Uh, Kane hits a clothesline off the top on Triple H. Uh, both guys get uh, chokes on. Definitely passes a chair into Triple H. He hits them in full view of the ref, goes for a DQ, but the chair shot has no effect on Kane. Uh, then when the heels try to escape, uh, Troy grabs the chair off uh, Kane and then Kane threatens to choke Slammer. Xbox, Stephanie and Triple H all stand outside the ring saying, no, don't do it, but don't get involved. Uh, and Kane like, oh, no, Kane still has feelings for it. He's not going to do it. And then he stops and then he immediately picks her up and hits her with a tombstone <laughs> when uh, they've still got two weeks until he faces Xbox for the first time. And even then, the feud goes on for a bit. So I think they really, they jumped the gun on having Kane tombstone Tory. But and I'm also sad that... Uh, that JR wasn't there because I know he would be in all four like yeah Tombstone that Jezebel 
Give her what she deserves. Yeah. <laughs> I love Paul Bearer. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's one of those iconic moments uh, in, in video packages uh, and you know, all sorts of things that lives on Kane to, to, uh, tombstoning, yeah, tombstoning Tory. Uh, which, you know, is, yeah. <laughs> um, it's getting late, man. I'm fucking tongue tied. Um, it's, it's half past one in the morning, guys. I mean, come on. Um, fuck it. They don't know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, it, it was it was great. It was a great moment. A bit of chance of a bit of revenge. Paul Bear was epic in it. You know. Um, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, tombstone the bitch. Yeah, I mean, I was happy when she brought Keane Sarr. She deserved to be tombstoned. So, you know, I'm all for it, even though I usually wouldn't condone shit like this. Yeah, I do love how... Uh, yeah, but also, the tomb, don't forget the tombstone is, is it, it, in when done correctly, which, of course, Keane is quite able to do. It's fucking safe. I mean, Linda McMahon took it. Yeah. and What's interesting here is that they all seem to be not as angry about him doing it here when like, Kane beats up a woman, and yet Bubba Ray... Earlier on, Tim's uh, powerbombed a woman through a table, and yet is the worst human being alive. And also, Tori, a real trooper, she's back next week in an X race, whereas we don't see BB again, and we haven't seen Terry Reynolds in weeks since she got put to the yeah. table. So, yeah. Tori is the toughest woman in the WRF. <laughs> Tori is a better woman than, uh, than either BB or Terry Reynolds. That's what we've taken away here. Yep. Tough as nails. Stuff as nails, exactly. But before we, we go, James, I need to see if you have a if you give this episode right now, a thumbs up, a thumbs in the middle, a thumbs down. And is there one match or segment uh, from the Satoshi show if you had to pick one that you would recommend that somebody go back and check out? Um, I think I think it's thumbs in the middle. I I, I think it's this. It was it was it wasn't a difficult watch. I actually quite enjoyed. The flow that's um, I think you know what I think I'm going to go with a thumbs up actually, just because I think it's probably because I haven't watched a show like this for a long time, but I I didn't find this boring. It 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 went so quickly. It, it, nothing was this exceptionally brilliant, but also it it was so short. It was quite fun. Does that make sense? Like I wouldn't I would never say go back and watch this episode. It was amazing. But it was quite an easy watch, and, and for what I needed, like it, it filled a, um, it, it filled the void, you know. It, it's a hard one to say because, to be honest, if I was giving it out of numbers, it'd be like a six and a half, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a, a low thumbs up. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably give it a thumbs up as well because even though like there wasn't much, there was a lot to talk about given how long this episode went, and like there was quite a few, there was a lot of wrestling, more than you'd expect from WF at this time, and well, the lack of like actual like segments, I think, avoided any weird like awkward segments that don't age as well, mm. so it wasn't really outwardly offensive stuff on this show, so nothing I don't think that warrants a thumbs down, I think it's just good enough for a, for a thumbs up, but is there, any, is there anything, you'd, any matches that you'd recommend someone check I mean- out? Of all of them, I mean, I'd say go and watch The Rock and Cactus Jack um, because they're great uh, and it's, it's a fun match. Um, but, I mean, no, there's nothing, anything. There's nothing. This, this this is why I was sort of leaning towards 
it being a, a thumbs in the middle really is that there's 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 nothing that's like overtly stand out amazing but that as a show as a whole it worked but i didn't feel like there was anything there wasn't a killer segment or a, a killer match but you see i mean shows back then they weren't for the matches like the matches didn't matter um mattered more on, on pay-per-views but like it wasn't about the matches, it was about the angles, and the angles were to get you to the pay-per-views, which is where you had the matches. Um, so so if you want to go and check out anything, check out um, check out uh, Rock and Cactus Jack uh, as, as the as a tag match. Um, I'd also recommend going and watching Kurt Angle's promo, because it's mm-hmm. brilliant. Um, but beyond that, you know, not nothing in, uh, nothing, it's nothing specific. Yeah, um, I'd maybe say the Benoit match, if you want to see just how over an act like Tokyo can be at this time period, or if you're into intergender violence, then yeah, watch the main event just to see Kane Tombstone Tory at the end, if you that's what you're into. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that'll do us for this week's episode. I want to thank James for, for joining me, and uh, for those who we mentioned, yeah, your podcast, the Undisputed Wrestling Podcast, but uh, Give us uh, your plugs and where people can check that out and what you guys have got going on if they're not uh, that familiar. Certainly. So uh, you can find us, well, you can find me on Twitter at Undisputed Rev. That's because not only am I part of the Undisputed Wrestling Podcast, not only am I a wrestling fan, I'm also a reverend, uh, which makes me kind of a bit different. Um, in more ways than one, because I'm just a bit crap, bonkers and crazy, but hey-ho. <laughs> Um, you can find the Undisputed Wrestling Podcast at the UW Podcast. We have now got a monthly cycle with a different show each week. Uh, so we have one week we have uh, our quizzes, one week we have um, a throwback special, one week we have an interview, uh, one week we will have this wrestling with film. We've done a few interviews so far, where something that we're going to try and do a little bit more of. Um, and uh, we've done some great interviews. I especially recommend the interview we did with Keith Elliott Greenberg. Um, we also did a great interview with Finn Martin, and we've also did a really good interview with Charles Crowley, who's a British wrestling star who is the brains behind You Are Cordially Invited. Have you seen this, Scott? Uh, I can't say that I have, no. Oh, mate, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send you the link. It's fucking, or just put it on YouTube. It's amazing. It's just called You Are Cordially Invited, and it's a sort of homage to say that British wrestling, Brit wrestling is still alive. It's about half an hour long, and uh, without giving away too much, it's just it's brilliant. Um, and and I'm, I'm a big Charles Crowley fan, but that interview is actually really interesting as well. Um, we also say we did uh, Santa Slay recently. We're going to be doing Wrestlers vs. Zombie. Um, hit us up on Twitter. Give us some questions. Don't forget to subscribe and download the podcast. Uh, we've only been going a year. Um, but we've just hit four and a half thousand uh, downloads, which we're really happy with for the year. But we want to get bigger and bigger. But that's not the main goal. The main goal is that we have fun. Uh, we have a laugh. Uh, we get on really well, and I think that comes across in what we do. Um, and uh, people seem to be enjoying it. So if you want to join in and listen, then by all means, that's where you find us. It's available on all your podcasting streams. Just uh, put in Undisputed Wrestling Podcast and you'll find us there. Yeah, good. You, know, you should definitely check out those uh, quiz specials that I've listened to like, almost all the ones you got. The most recent one you guys put up, I've not uh, I've saved it uh, to listen to later on, but I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. It was a close <laughs> one, was that? Because it it, that was the one I did with Kieran, a uh, friend of mine, and it, it was a uh, 
Yeah, it was. Um, it was. I'm not going to give anything away, but it was close. <laughs> uh, you can tune into the one I appeared on where I tried. Where I gave uh, Callum, their resident uh, trivia god, uh, a run for his money. Uh, it, just, it, it happened entirely by coincidence, but we've got three guys on the pod, and we've got sort of essentially three difficulty levels. So Ian <laughs> is Ian is shit at trivia. He, he just is. So if you're not, if you want to come on and be on a quiz, just pit us up on Twitter. Um, but if you're, you don't consider yourself to be very good on Twitter uh, on quizzes, then you can face Ian. If you consider <laughs> yourself to be decent at quizzes, then you can go against me. If you think yourself really good, then you can go against Callum because he knows he knows his shit. Um, he's got a great memory for wrestling. So it, 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 as I say, it happened purely by coincidence that we seem to have found ourselves in this sort of uh, remit of having a three-tier system. But if you want to have a go um, at our quizzes, then by all means. So yeah, I won't give away if you haven't checked out, but you should check out me versus Callum uh, as well on that uh, wrestling quiz arena. At some point, we pro- I'm sure Callum will probably want a rematch at some point. Uh but you can also check out some of the quizzes we've done here, uh, the 18 quizzes me, Jimmy and Nathan have done in the past here on Rogue Pines at Rogue underscore Pines on Twitter and Instagram. Check out our back catalogue, all good Android podcasting sites. We've got a uh, grapple update should be up. We've got past episodes of this show with various different uh, special guest hosts. We've got the Banter Munich podcast, Reese's uh, Room 501, where it has the Undisputed podcast. There when uh, Ian Milne on a past episode where he moans about salt and fries or some shit. Whatever he was on about that week. <laughs> also, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scott McLeod Follow my other podcast, Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast uh, at SPL on Twitter. We're okay. We've got some impact and uh, Fraser related content uh, over the next couple of weeks with Hard to Kill and Will because we like talking about Fraser. And that's all the plugs I think I have again. I'll, I'll say thank you for joining me again, James. No problem. Uh, pleasure as always. And uh, tune in next week to hear um, Ian James cover another episode uh, here on the Rogue Retro Smackdown Review. Hey.